All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Professional Sports Talk podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jack Murphy. Thank you so much for listening to this pod, giving me support. Special shout out to Tristan all the way out in Sweden for giving me my international listening. It's fucking awesome. Thanks, man. Really appreciate it. If you're listening to this one, appreciate you once more. Anyways, guys, we're going to jump right into the action. We're going to talk about what I got wrong from last week, what I got right from last week. We're going to be building off the format that I created for myself last week and just riding with it because, again, I really think it was just a lot better than my previous formats, and I also think it's more enticing as an audience. Uh, Again, just reach out to me if you think differently, if you you agree with me. Just any, any criticism, any feedback really just does help a lot, so keep reaching out with that. And without further ado... We're going to jump straight into the shit I was right about part of my podcast. Starting off with how about them Cowboys? Before the season, I said they'd win their division quite easily. I also said a sneaky bet would be to take the over. And both of those things are looking to be pretty right. The Cowboys are looking like the best team in this division. A lot of incompetency in this division, if I'm being completely honest. The Eagles look like a mess. Uh, The Giants are actually picking it up a lot, but they still have three losses on their record. And the Washington football team, as we know, isn't nearly the juggernaut. And even last year, they had a losing record. But they're not nearly as great as they are last year, as they were last year. And I just haven't seen enough from them to believe that anyone's beating this Dallas team. This Dallas team is just really well-rounded and complete. But we'll get into that. Uh, they look extremely well-rounded on offense. Their offensive line is back into the, its old dominant form. They're just creating huge holes for Ezekiel Elliott and also giving Dak plenty of time to throw the ball. Uh, this Panthers D-line was playing out of their minds the first three weeks, and they were really, they didn't do very much at all in this last game. It's not that they didn't have some splash plays, but compared to what they were doing, it was really just truly a letdown and truly like shows how good this uh, Cowboys offensive line is. Um, I just love how dynamic their offense is passing the ball too because they get all their weapons involved. Uh, and, and we'll touch on this later in our waiver wire ads, but it's not just Amari Cooper. It's not just CeeDee Lamb. It's Cedric Wilson. It's Dalton Schultz. It's Blake Jarwin. It's Tony Pollard. It's Ezekiel Elliott. They're all catching balls. And uh, jumping off of that Tony Pollard catching balls statement, um, if you're still thinking that Pollard is a better back than Zeke, I don't know what to say anymore. I, I, I've been saying this since this discussion came up week one. That's just a bunch of bullshit. Uh, Zeke is a much better back than Tony Pollard. There's a bunch of things he does that don't necessarily show up on a stat sheet that he does better in terms of pass blocking. But also just overall, he's he's a stronger runner right now. He's truthfully like the heart of that offense, which is really hard to say the way Dak Prescott's playing so well. But they build everything off that run game. Obviously, week one was a little different because they just completely abandoned the run, knowing how good Tampa was stopping the run. And it, it, that was just very game-dependent, is my point. Ever since then, they've been leaning very heavily on the run, using play action off of it. And Zeke has a lot of a lot of contributions to that, a lot to do with that. And I think he's going to continue to see really great production. And I think these Cowboys are just going to keep rolling and rolling. Um, I don't remember their exact schedule, but I know they don't have the hardest schedule until they play the Chiefs week 11. So if they're really going to go and sweep this thing until week 11, and even then they might be the Chiefs right now if they played tomorrow, you know what I mean? So they just look like a really, really competitive team, a really complete team, and I think they're going to be a problem for a lot of teams to come. Anyways, um, 
I'm going to take my early defensive rookie of the year as Micah Parsons. Uh, the rest of the Cowboys D-line is playing great. Randy Gregory is really popping. Uh, that UC, that guy out of UCLA, their defensive tackle, that I, I don't even want to try to pronounce his name because, one, I don't really know it off the top of my head, and, two, if I tried to pronounce it, I would just mess it up. Uh, just go look up, like, defensive lineman, Cowboys, UCLA. I'm sure he'll pop up. He's a rookie. He's playing great. He's playing great football. Um, but Micah Parsons is really just impressing the hell out of me. His I've I've always loved him. I loved him coming out of the draft. His diversity is just crazy. To see a rookie go from a linebacker role straight to a defensive end and have great production is just amazing. And to do it that quickly and that early on is just I, I can't express enough how impressive it is because it's hard enough to switch positions as a veteran in the NFL, but when you're doing it as a rookie and doing it successfully, it just says so much about not only his character and just doing whatever the coaching staff is asking him to do, but also his grit, his determination, and just straight up his his talent, his raw skill. That's incredible to see. So, again, early defensive year, early defensive rookie of the year candidate, definitely Michael Parsons, someone to look out for. Maybe you, want, you might want to put some money down on him. And... One thing I will say about that situation is um, it kind of leaves a question of what they're going to do with him once De- Demarcus Lawrence is back. Uh, obviously, they can put him back in that linebacker role, but he's having such a good time playing defensive end. I really don't know what they're going to do with him. And that does scare me a little bit. But beyond that, I think Dan Quinn's bright enough. I think this defense is diverse enough that he'll be fine wherever he goes and he's going to make an impact wherever he goes. He'll. I'm not worried about him. I'm not worried about him very much is what I'm trying to say. Uh, another thing to take away from this game, this isn't Cowboys related uh, because I, I don't want to just talk only about them. They played the Panthers last week. As we know, they beat them pretty handily. Uh, they covered their spread, which I was nervous to touch. I was nervous to touch, excuse me. Uh, but beyond that, Sam Darnold is having himself a great year, as we all know. One thing I do want to say, and I believe it was actually, uh, I don't agree with a lot of the things Colin Coward said, but one thing he said this past week that I truly agreed with is that Darnold is a completely different quarterback in the first and uh, half versus the second half. Uh, when everything's on script and Matt Rule is dialing up plays for him that they've run multiple times in practice, he looks great. But when that really breaks down, he looks a lot less confident. Uh, he looks a lot more like the Sam Darnold of old. I'm not saying that he is the Sam Darnold of old in the second half, and I'm not saying that the wheels are going to completely come off this thing because I still think he has you know, great improvements showing from being on the Jets, but it's just something to look out for. It's definitely telling to rules coaching, but it's also telling to how comfortable, um, excuse me, Darnold is in this system because clearly it's working. And once that system kind of breaks down and defenses start to like dig their teeth in a little bit, it, it just breaks down a little bit. And it does concern me definitely for the future of this team. Um, I still think they're definitely a team looking at a wild card spot. Obviously, they're going to be fighting for the division with the Bucks, which is going to be a tall ask to, to to carry out. But beyond that, I just it's something to look out for for the rest of the season. And again, I don't agree with much of what Colin says, but I definitely agree with that point. Another thing to look out for uh, looking past this game is remember the name Phil Snow. Phil Snow is the Panthers defensive coordinator. And we always see these coordinators of these teams that kind of, I don't know, blow up, show up out of nowhere. And coordinators get a lot of credit for that. Uh, a great example would be Kevin Stefanski coming, leaving the Vikings. Uh, obviously, he was there for a very long time. He didn't necessarily just blow up. But uh, the Vikings offense blew up in a very big way. And then next thing you know, he's getting head coaching job offers and he ends up in Cleveland. Another great example would be... Um, 
wow, I really, I, I just had totally someone planned out in my head and it just like, whoosh, went, went gone, gone with the wind. Um, another great example. I mean, I guess Vic Fangio with the bears, but that's not what I was going to say. He's at the Broncos now. Anyways, um, he's going to get a head, co- uh, he'll get scouted as a head for a head coach next year is my point. Keep an eye on Phil Snow and remember that name because he will have a lot of people talking about him. Oh, I was going to say Robert Sala. That was the other guy I was going to say. Robert Sala with the Niners defense. Obviously, they had that huge explosive year, went to the Super Bowl. And then not long after that, he is the head coach of the Jets. So things like that happen very often. I could definitely see that happening here. So just remember the name is all I'm trying to get to. Moving on to another thing I was right about from this weekend. Uh, This isn't exactly how I envisioned this game going, but either way, I'll I'll take it. I was right about it. It was the Seahawks versus the 49ers. Uh, The 49ers got consistent pressure, and the Seahawks were kind of doing that thing that they like to do where it looks like they forget how to play football. Their offense just – it's so funny because – this is such a consistent thing with the Seahawks. Their offense will just completely disappear and then reappear in a blink. And it's like they never left and they look magical. And Russ is connecting with DK and Tyler Lockett and Freddie Swain, even in that touchdown pass. It's just, it's so strange. They do this so, they're just such an inconsistent team. But when they're hot, they're hot. Anyways, 49ers got consistent pressure, but Russell was just too magical in the pocket. Uh, great example, like I mentioned, was that Freddie's, Freddie Swain touchdown. Got out of a pass rush, uh, missed a couple, made a couple guys miss, and then threw an absolute dart. Um, one thing I can say about the Niners: this was a tough loss for you guys, obviously. Uh, but a positive thing to look out of it, uh, look at out of it. Excuse me, is Trey Sermon finally getting some usage? I think he deserves that usage. I really liked him coming out of Ohio State. Obviously, a lot of other people did too. A lot of you guys were drafting him, including myself. I drafted him in a few of my leagues. I still think he has a lot of potential. I still think that there's a lot of room in this backfield for him to get touches, especially if these injuries keep piling up the way they are. Um, so just keep your, keep an eye on him. If he's available on your waivers, which I kind of doubt it, you could definitely go spend a decently high waiver priority on that guy. Um but most likely you've been stashing him on your bench and you're just getting ready to put him in at your flex and his time might be coming up soon. I don't know what these matches are like in the matchups are like in the future. I'd have to look at that, but his time might be coming up. So just keep your eye on him. Another, another thing that I want to say about this game is I just feel so bad for Trent can Trent cannon. Um, man, I can't speak today. I'm stuttering a lot, but that's okay. We'll, we'll get through this. I'm going to take a quick drink of water I'll be right back. Hold on. So Trent Cannon, this guy is getting death threats from the 49ers fans today. Um, just poor guy. That was rough. If you guys don't know, Trent Cannon muffed a punt. I th- I believe it was to start the second half. Or it, obviously it wasn't to start. You don't punt it at the start of the half, but it was like right at the beginning of the second half. Some something like that. It was uh, the Seahawks. I think it was like a three and out. I don't know. The, 49ers made a great stop on defense. My point is uh, Seahawks punt the ball away. Trent Cannon muffs the punt, gets his own muff punt back, and then inexplicably dives forward to get, you know, at most two or three more yards and then fumbles the ball and the Seahawks recover. And that's when that Russell Wilson magic happened uh, and the touchdown to Freddie Swain went down. And it was just an ugly looking play. And I guarantee you there's so many Niners fans that were screaming at their TV during that. It was really hard to watch. And I truthfully just felt really bad for the guy because 
he made a terrible situation way worse. Another thing that I really need to talk about with this game is obviously everyone's talking about it this week. Trey Lance getting some, uh, getting the start in the second half. Uh, Jimmy G went down with a calf injury. It sounds like, sounds like he's going to miss. Uh, it sounds like he's week to week. So it's not entirely, I'm not entirely sure how much time he's going to miss. I don't think there's a clear report of how much time he's expected to miss. Uh, I could be wrong about that. You guys can go ahead and look into that yourselves. My point is, uh, Trey Lance did not look NFL ready at all. Um, I don't mean to sound biased at all because obviously my Bears have Justin Fields right now. But even when they made this pick, I just didn't really understand it. Uh, I don't know why you're wasting three first-round picks on a guy who's nowhere near NFL ready. I mean, he played one season in college at an FCS school where, sure, he balled the hell out. He didn't throw an interception. He was a stud. Um, a lot of great decisions and just has a cannon for an arm you know he has tons and tons of potential i'm not taking that away from him and i still think he has all the abilities to be a franchise quarterback but i just i don't know jimmy g you know he gets he's very injury prone uh they it's pretty obvious he's not really their guy going forward so i don't really know why you spend three first round picks on a project and that's in my opinion what trey lance is uh, i think kyle shanahan in a perfect world wants to sit in this entire year but if you know jimmy g's gonna get hurt i don't really know if that's the best decision i still think we see what mac jones is doing right now that would have been a great fit for their system because he is just dissecting defenses he's extremely accurate at the football he makes extremely good decisions and he's not, uh, what's the word? He has more of a touch than Trey Lance does. And honestly, I can say a lot of that same stuff for Justin Fields. Justin Fields is just, he makes smarter decisions. He may not make them as quick. That's the one thing I'll give Trey Lance. He's very decisive and he's got a great pocket presence about him. Uh, he's not, Justin doesn't have the ability to feel pass rushes as much as much and you can tell he's just had great protection his whole career in college that's something Trey Lance is a lot better at but it just it doesn't really add up to me it doesn't really make sense Justin Fields can run the ball better or sorry just as well if not better than Trey Lance he can definitely throw the ball better it's just I don't know I don't I don't really see why that pick was made and again I don't want to sound biased I I definitely see why Trey Lance is was respected as he was coming out I definitely see why there's a lot of potential there and why a coaching staff might like him I just in this particular situation I don't really understand the pick and again I hope I'm wrong I hope next week when he gets the start he just goes crazy balls out and I will gladly say I'm wrong and I will gladly you know you know tell the Niners fans they got their pick right but until I see it I just don't believe it uh, he honestly, there wasn't real. There was only one pass that entire game that really impressed me, and it was that near touchdown pass to George Kittle, which Jamal Adams broke up. That was a dart. That was right on the money. Uh, George Kittle had his hands on it. Jamal will or Jamal. I almost said called him Jamal Williams. Jamal Adams had a great play on the ball, breaking it up. But all of his other stats, I'm pretty sure like he had like 150 something yards passing. I don't, I don't remember directly off the top of my head, but. It felt like half of them all came from that busted coverage on Debo Samuel where he broke off for a 76-yard, a 75-yard touchdown, whatever it was. Um, and then it was just a lot of screens, dink and dunks. Uh, but again, I did like his pocket presence, so that's something to look forward to. Besides that, it just, I don't really understand it. I don't really understand the pick. Um, I'm really worried about him getting rushed into this. Um, I'm really worried about their matchup this week against the Cardinals, uh, which we'll get into later. And... 
I just, I feel bad for Trey Lance, honestly, because I don't think he's ready. Um, and I don't think this coaching staff is ready to put him in, but they don't have much of a choice. So again, that is one thing I was right about. Not saying I'm right about Trey Lance. I'm just saying I was right about the Seahawks 49ers game and as a whole. Um, I don't know if I'm right about Trey Lance. I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Moving on to the Browns versus the Vikings. Uh, this was just, uh, I literally fell asleep watching this game. Like this was, it's such an offensive league and I'm so spoiled with great offenses these days that when games happen like this, I just can't help but get bored. If I'm being completely honest, um, if you weren't a Vikings or a Browns fan, I guarantee you didn't watch the replay or the highlights of this game. Um, I only did because it was a game that I talked about a lot last week. And I also wanted to mention it again because I did predict the Browns to win. Sorry if you guys can hear this helicopter. I'm going to pause the pod really quick. All right. Sorry about that, guys. Mr. Helicopter is gone now. That was just very distracting. I'm sure you guys could hear that. So I didn't want that on the pod. Anyways, we were talking about the Browns versus the Vikings, how I fell asleep, how it was an absolute slugfest. Um, see, this team was kind of like you and your sibling fighting because... What I mean by that is these teams know each other so well that they knew exactly how to get under each other's skin. You know the way like your your sister or your brother just knows that one thing that just pisses you off more than anything and they just twist it. They just twist that knife, you know what I mean? And they just really get under your skin and they really irritate you because they know you so well. That's what this game was. Kevin Stefanski obviously was with the Vikings for 16 years, goes to the Browns, and Mike Zimmer knows... Kevin Stefanski very very well Kevin Stefanski obviously knows Mike Zimmer very very well and that's exactly what happened these teams just couldn't get besides the first drive uh, that the Vikings had where they just drove right down the field and scored a touchdown they got nothing going and the Browns very similarly couldn't get shit going it's just more than the Browns did so it was just enough to win the game this was not a very fun game to watch um it, it honestly I'm glad my prediction ended up being right. I'm glad the Browns won and covered, but goddamn, that was just, that's all I can describe it as. It was a sibling fight. More, more, end of story, this was just a sibling fight, and I'm glad I got it right. Moving on to the shit I got wrong section, uh, most obviously, and obviously, I gotta say this first because I think everyone was damn wrong about this game. I don't think a single person in America really thought the Jets were gonna beat the Titans last week. Sorry about that, guys. My dad walked in. <laughs> Anyways, where was I? Um, no one in America expected the Jets beat the Titans. Right. So, in my defense, when I made that last pod, I, I knew that A.J. Brown was going to be out, but I had no idea that Julio would be too. Um, either way, this was still a shock, uh, but it was an extremely fun game to watch. It was just a great win for Zach Wilson and Robert Sala. I'm really happy for those guys, and I'm sure the Jets fans are happy too. Uh, getting their first win together is just a, a great thing to put in the books. Um, it was also really great to see him throw a pick, and because we all, the reason why I said that is because he threw that pick, and all of us at home or and all of us in that stadium, I'm sure, were saying, "Oh well, here we go again. Here's Zach Wilson leading the league in interceptions. Here's going to be, you know, Titans blow us out. It's not going to be a game. It's not going to be competitive." And then after that pick, he looks pretty damn sharp. He had a few throws that were just beautiful, 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 beautiful splash plays. Uh, there was one, I believe, to Corey Davis. He was rolling out of the pocket, kind of looked like Aaron Rodgers. Uh, just comparing him, not saying he is, just comparing him. 
Uh, there was another one to Jamison Crowder that looked really great. There was also a touchdown pass to Jamison Crowder that I think he kind of sidearmed a little bit, and it just barely missed the DB's hands. Uh, just a gorgeous play. Very well done by Zach. Um, and again, I told you Jets fans to stay patient. I'm very happy for you guys. I'm very happy you stayed patient. And I did not expect you guys to get a win this early on the season. So go you guys. You should be excited. Um, one thing I will say about the Titans and also the way the Jets play the Titans offense is, first off, Robert Saul's defense, they, they played a great game. They had a very, very great game plan. They knew that both of these receivers on the Titans were going to be out, and they really exploited that. They were playing very sticky coverage with their DBs, and uh, in the Titans' eyes, their, their receivers really couldn't get much separation. So it was kind of, you know... It's kind of what came first, chicken or the egg, where the where the receivers getting no separation, where the DBs playing sticky coverage. I think it was a little bit of both, and you can definitely say both things were contributors to what happened in this game. And um, all things considered, Ryan Tannehill played a really great game. Uh, I wouldn't panic about Ryan Tannehill if you have him in fantasy. He's gonna have much better weeks than this one. And even then, he, for all things considered, missing his two best weapons, he played pretty great. So good for the jets another thing i was wrong about and i should have addressed this earlier in the, in the pod because obviously they've gotten off to a really hot start and it's making my projection look absolutely shit is them raiders go raiders um before the season i projected them to win six games i also projected them to be one of the worst teams in the league i literally said that i i, I remember saying that a few times actually and wow am i getting burned for it they're already halfway there I believe they're they're three and one, right? Yeah, they're three and one. Um, they only need what? There's thirteen more. There's thirteen weeks left, and they only need three more wins. They are more than likely going to hit that mark, and good for them. Honestly, I, there was a lot of guys. I've said this in an earlier pod. I was just sleeping on them. Um, their defense is playing way better than I thought, as well as their O line. And I thought those were going to be their two weaknesses. But they're looking like, not necessarily strengths, but they're playing very well. They're playing, and especially their defense. Their defense is playing a lot better than I would have thought. I mean, honestly, both. Their defense and their line. Like, what am I saying? They're, they're both playing just so much better than I thought. Uh, they've got a ton of veterans on their defense and that know their scheme very, very well. And I'm saying that for players such as Casey Hayward, who played in that Seattle scheme in San Diego and previously, or I guess then to LA. You know what I mean? Uh, KJ Wright played in that Seattle scheme in Seattle. Uh, Corey Littleton used to play on that back on the Rams. So they just have a ton of guys that have really bought into their system and also know it very, very well. So it just makes for a very smart unit that flies around all over the field and always seems to be near the ball because they're just so disciplined in how they play. And again, it's just, it's making them win a lot of football games and a lot more than I would have thought on top of their offense, just, Derek Carr playing great football and you know their offensive line is keeping him protected and also opening holes in the run game which is you know helping them win games obviously they lost this week to the Chargers but you, you, I mean that's just that's going to happen the Chargers are a really great football team it, the AFC West is going to be extremely competitive it's crazy to me to think that the Raiders the Broncos are going to be last in any division at all but that just shows you how competitive this afc west is i mean you can argue the same for the nfc west where the niners are about to finish last yeah i said it they're going to sorry sorry niners fans but you're going to who yeah so 
two things I was wrong about. Um, I didn't make too many hot takes last week, so there wasn't too much to be wrong about. So I'm not trying to say like, oh, I'm so smart. I got everything right. I just didn't really make that many like crazy takes is all I'm saying. So I'll try and do more of those as, you know, as I get going, I'll try and, you know, provide you guys with more shit I was wrong about because I'm pretty sure a lot of you guys love to hear that I was wrong about something. <laughs> all right, moving on to my best bets from this week, this upcoming week. Um, there are a lot more bets that I would take this week compared to last week, and I do love a lot of favorites this week. I'll just point that out right off the bat. So jumping into my safest bet of the week in my eyes is the Patriots versus the Texans. The Patriots are favored by nine points in this one, and I don't think that's nearly enough. Uh, Belichick, Belichick, Belichick flexed all of his IQ against Brady last week. He really gave him a lot of headaches. Um, I didn't really expect that to play out the way it did. That's why I didn't really talk about that game too much in my last podcast. Obviously, it was a huge game. Obviously, the entire country was watching Brady go back to New England and face off against his old maestro. Uh, it was a really great storyline. There was a lot of storylines going on in that game, and it was just very, very fun to watch. My throat is a little dry, so I'm going to take another sip of water now. Uh, anyways and another person or another people more people i guess that belichick normally gets into the heads of is uh that's right his rookies his rookies he's always getting to the heads of these guys davis mills is definitely going to struggle once more and the patriots defense will feast if you have him in fantasy this week you are thrilled to see this matchup this is one of those matchups you've been waiting for and I think it's going to pay out big for you if you drafted them in fantasy. So give them a start and just don't worry about it at all. They're going to do great. Again, not too much to say here. Uh, this is just Belichick's scheme against a very, very bad offense. And he's going to make this rookie cry. Give me the Patriots 23-10 to 10 in this game. Moving on to the Seahawks at the Rams. Or Actually, no, this is in Seattle. So I guess Rams at Seahawks. Rams are favored by two points in this game. Uh, this is a get-right game for McVay and his Rams after an emotional win over Tampa. Uh, yes, I know they played the Cardinals last week, but I think a lot of that emotion that going into that Tampa game really spilled over into that Cardinals performance. Um, I don't think that was their best ball at all. Um, I really thought they were going to win that game, and that was something I was wrong about as well. Um, that was something I didn't mention as much in my last pod because I wasn't too confident in that, so I didn't I didn't talk about it too much. Um, just because I, I could have seen something like this playing out. When you're coming off a win that big against that Tampa team, uh, they're obviously, it's like they're Super Bowl. You know what I mean? That you, have, you win the Super Bowl and then you have a little bit of a Super Bowl hangover. Uh, Sean McVay was just so juiced and his entire team was so juiced to win that game that I don't think their mind was completely right for this Cardinals team. And I think McVay, being as smart as he is, definitely recognizes that. So, like I said, this is going to be a bounce bounce back game for him on the offensive side of the ball, and overall just a bounce back game for the Rams team in general. Um, Seahawks offense we've seen time and time again can be very inconsistent. Uh, there's times where it looks like they just forget how to play football. Uh, their their offense can just completely disappear at times, and that's a very good thing. Or sorry, that's a I mean, I guess it's a very good thing for the Rams, and that's a very bad thing for the Seahawks. Um, I think they're going to have issues getting the ball going. They're going to get, they're obviously going to try and get the receivers involved, but Jalen Ramsey shadowing DK Metcalf is a bad matchup for him. Uh, Tyler Lockett's still fighting through an injury, so it's just not a lot 
in the right direction not a lot pointing in the right direction for the seahawks especially with their o-line still having the problems they are um that's just a very bad problem to have when facing this very very good rams front seven obviously aaron donald is the star of that but because aaron donald gets all the attention in the middle it lets those edge guys really shine on the outside so i think this is going to be a great game for them i think it's a bounce back game for the rams as i've said a couple times now and i think the rams win 27 to 20 so give me the rams just to cover that spread moving on to the next game is kansas city versus buffalo right now kansas city is actually favored by two and a half which really surprised me this game is in buffalo and I don't know what the weather is going to be like in this game, so that could really affect the outcome and the scoring performances. I'm honestly not looking at the the spread in this game. I'm more focused on the over-under. It's the highest one of the week at 56.5, but I still think as long as the weather is good enough, it's not pouring rain, I think they're gonna. these teams are going to cover that over pretty generously. We know how explosive these offenses are, and we know how desperate Kansas City is to avoid going two and three. Um, just the fact that we're talking about the Chiefs possibly going two and three is just crazy to me. If you said that before the season, I doubt anyone would have expected that to come. Um, I think both of these teams also realize they're the cream of the crop in the AFC. This is a possible AFC championship game preview. And although the Bills defense has played some great football, I think Kansas City just has such a chip on their shoulder right now and so much to prove that I think they're just going to be so motivated to win this game that these offenses are just going to be high flying as ever. Uh, I think this is going to be a great shootout. I expect both of these QBs to have good games. You can start up nearly all the receivers they're throwing to in this game in fantasy start up both these quarterbacks. Not like you're going to be benching them, obviously, because these are just must start guys. Um, and it's just going to be a great game. It's going to be a very entertaining game. It's going to be a shootout. I've got the final score is 35 to 30 Bills. That could easily be 35 to 30 Kansas City. Honest, like I said earlier, I really don't know who's going to win this game. But either way, I love that over of 56 and a half points. Just one thing I will say about this is look out for the forecast of this game. If this if I'm wrong and it's supposed to be pouring rain, don't take the over because as we saw last year, uh, this is, is a rematch from last year, if you guys don't remember. The, the Chiefs went up to Kansas City and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire had a huge game. The Chiefs just ran the shit out of the ball that game because the weather was so bad and they knew they couldn't really get the passing game like they wanted to, get the passing game going like they wanted to, excuse me. Um, but this is a very different Bills team. This is a very different Bills defense. Um, and hopefully the weather won't be as shitty as last time. So the game scripts will just go the way I'm seeing them going right now. And hopefully these teams just pass the ball all over you fucking each other. And again, it's going to be a high scoring game. 35 to 30, some team wins. Either way, take the over of this game. Finally, my last best best bet of the week, uh, I kind of alluded to this earlier, is the Arizona Cardinals versus the 49ers. This, this game is in Arizona, which also bodes very well for the Cardinals coming home off that huge win over the Rams. Their confidence is very, very big. Um, obviously, I was talking about how the Rams had a very emotional win over Tampa and it affected their performance against the Cardinals. You could see this in a similar light that the Cardinals are very emotional after that huge win over the Rams, which they were 0-8 against under the Cliff Kingsbury era. But I don't really think that's the case. I really think this is a cool, calm, collected team. Kyler Murray is always seems to be just... 
you know, cool as a cucumber, so does Cliff Kingsbury. So I don't really think that emotion really affects them too much. And I also think this 49ers team is just losing some confidence right now, uh, just with all the injuries that's going on. And as I alluded to earlier as well, Trey Lance is just not ready to start right now. And I think that the Cardinals DBs are just really good. They're playing really well. And I think they're going to give Trey Lance a lot of troubles. I, th- I don't think Trey Lance is nearly going to have the stats he did last game. I think he throws a pick or two in this game. And I think that just doesn't bode very well against an offense this explosive um, because at any given moment, the Cardinals can take the ball easily down the field. The Cardinals can score at any given moment. And um, again, it's just a game script that doesn't really match up well for the for the 49ers especially because as we know their secondary is really beat up so we can expect deandre hopkins to bounce back in a big way big way i also think this is a great matchup for aj green who i will get to later and my waiver wire ads and i think he could really see significant touches slash targets give me the cardinals 27 to 17 again not too much to say here i just think the cardinals are really trending up right now and i think the niners are trending down so it just doesn't bode well for them and again because of the things i said give me the cardinals 27 to 17 as i said moving on to the final segment of the pod we got our waiver wire ads uh this is a great week for waiver wire ads there's possibly the most options since week one uh just between all the injuries happening and also between a lot of guys seeing increased opportunity and also the guys that we weren't so sure about if their opportunity was going to keep up the, at the pace that it has a lot of those guys that we were worried about they've we really seen their role get carved out in this offense so we know a lot more about them the first guy i've got on my list is someone who i really hope my league mates aren't listening to this because i'm really nervous i'm not going to get him in a lot of my leagues is damian williams as a massive owner of david montgomery myself and as a bears fan obviously i'm was very high on david montgomery coming into this season and it's a lot of the re- a lot of those same reasons are why i'm so high on damian williams now david montgomery is supposed to be out four to five weeks off initial reports um obviously that's going off injury optimism he it could be longer than this being pessimistic it really it really did look like a gnarly injury he had he was obviously dealing with extreme pain um i'm just so glad he's not out for season i'm so glad that they said right off the bat we don't think it's an acl tear i haven't heard anything more than from that uh it doesn't sound like it's an acl tear and it doesn't sound like he's out for the year Four to five weeks would be a great timeline. If we, if he's only out four to five weeks after that injury looking that bad, I would be ecstatic. So with all that being said, and David Montgomery being out, Damian Williams should immediately slide in and become an RB2 that you can start as such, or you can start as a flex play, depending on where you had David Montgomery, obviously. Um, he should see targets coming out of the backfield too, because he already was. That offense had him catching a lot of, not catching a lot of balls, but they had him catching some balls out of the backfield. And with David Montgomery out, that role should only expand on top of him getting the first and second down work that David Montgomery was getting. Um, Another thing to note here is if Bill Lazor keeps calling these plays like he did last week, this offense should only be more competent and competitive compared to others. Um, and this leads me to another point trade for Allen Robinson. It's just a matter of time before this guy really blows up and just, he gets things going. Uh, because I just believe, like I've said earlier, if Bill, Bill Lazor keeps calling the plays, which he absolutely should, uh, this offense is going to be look a lot better in the coming weeks to come. 
One thing I will say about this game, because again, this is my podcast and the Bears are my favorite team, is I watched the replay of that game having no idea who was calling plays, but it was immediately clear who was. I knew just watching every single Bears game for the last three years, it was so obvious that Bill Lazor was calling the plays in this one because it looked just like the last six to seven weeks of the Bears season last year. It was just so much of what we needed and it if we did this earlier particularly if we did this against the browns i'm not saying we would have beaten them but there's no way in hell we would have only put up six points we did so much great things we got tight ends helping on the offensive line providing extra protection we establish a run game early and often which i think we need to do far more often and it really just helped the passing game tremendously because not only did the defense have to respect the run and then it opened up everything for the pass, but it also allowed us to work off play action and give Justin Fields more time to really scan and read the field. And he looked fucking phenomenal. I was so happy watching this game. Like seriously, I don't care if he had a, didn't have any touchdowns and he had an interception. He played a great game. He was averaging something like 17 yards of completion, uh, just big play after big play. And Darnell Mooney was really thriving off of those big plays. It's also someone you're going to look to add in your waiver wires. Um, He's probably owned in your league, though. So who knows? If you can get him, go ahead and pick him up. Uh, I wouldn't throw too much fab money at him. Honestly, I'm not much of a fab guy myself, so I don't know too much about that system. But either way, Darnell Mooney's stock is up. Allen Robinson's stock is up. The entire Chicago Bears offense stock is up when Bill Lazor is calling the plays simply because he calls much better plays and he always has a better game plan um, because of all the things I just said earlier. Moving on, these next eight guys are at three different positions and you should pick them up according to your team's weakness. Uh, That's kind of no shit. I just wanted to throw that out there. I'm assuming most of you guys know that already. I just needed, needed to say it. So, Starting with three receivers that have very similar floors and ceilings, they're kind of like A, B, and C, because it doesn't really matter who you pick up. Um, It's just, I have them in A, B, and C because this is the order I would do it, but you can easily argue that these guys should be, you know, C, B, A, B, C, A, whatever. A, C, B, it doesn't matter. My point is these guys are very similar, and first up is going to be Jacoby Myers. As you guys know, I've been banging the table for you guys to, for you guys to pick him up literally all season and preseason. I've loved this guy. Uh, he's getting very consistent targets, and it's very clear that Mac Jones has a knack to get the ball to him. And when you're getting consistent targets, it's he's getting 8, 9, 12, you know, what, double-digit targets or just below double-digit t- double targets every game. That's going to come with plenty of catches and indirect correlation that's going to come with many points he's a ppr stud and definitely someone you're going to want to look out after next guy on my list this is b is jameson crowder uh he's just a guy who's been doing the same thing his whole career he's just a great possession catch guy out of the slot uh this was his first game back this season he was he showed a lot of promise very productive zach wilson even though hadn't he hadn't seen much of him in the past you know three games he wasn't reluctant to throw to him at all it didn't there didn't seem to be any disconnect between them and it's just a guy that in in game scripts that the way in game scripts that the jets are going to see and what i mean by that is they're going to be down a lot of the time they're going to be throwing the ball a lot and if you're throwing the ball a lot 
Jameson Crowder is going to get a ton of touches, a ton of targets because he plays in that slot, because he's that possession receiver, and he's already established a connection with Zach Wilson. So I only project it to go up from here, and he's definitely a consistent flex play in deeper PPR leagues. C on my list is AJ Green. AJ Green is a guy who's been very productive, even with the limited targets he's had. Um, and I definitely think those targets could increase as this coaching staff really gets more comfortable with him, as well as how Kyler Murray gets more comfortable with him. So again, that's A, B, and C. It doesn't really matter how you prioritize those guys. I just prioritized them that way because that's the way that I would do it myself. Moving on to the quarterback position, we have, this is another kind of like A, B, and C deal it doesn't really matter who you want to take more honestly you could really flip a coin on these guys and it's kind of just down to personal preference of who you like more it's going to be sam darnold and daniel jones they're currently again a 1a and a 1b on my priority list if you're in need of a qb these are both great options uh they both the, the reasons why they're great options they're they're very similar they both have plenty of weapons around them uh i would argue some of the best weapons in the league, honestly, and they both have rushing upside. I actually think uh, Daniel Jones' rushing upside is higher the rest of the season going forward. I don't think Sam Darnold keeps those rushing touchdowns up the way he's he's been doing them so far because I think he's like leading the league in them right now, which he's just never done before. I wouldn't expect that to stay that way. Um, one thing I will say about this and why Sam Darnold might be like you know, 51% when Daniel Jones is 49%, if that metaphor makes any sense, is that I just trust the overall Panthers offense a little more. I really like Joe Judge, their offensive coordinator. Um, their weapons might just be the slight, slightest bit better. But truthfully, it's 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 it really is just like six one way, half a dozen the other. You can kind of do what you want. Whatever you prefer, just go grab that guy. Moving on to the tight end position, uh, this is a guy that a lot of people should be talking about, and I almost talked about him last week, and I really wish I did now. I just cut him as that last guy on my waiver wire priorities, is Dalton Schultz. Uh, he's getting lots of opportunity in the passing game, particularly as an outlet for Dak. Uh, he seems to be that like dump-off guy, that safety blanket guy for Dak. So it's just a great guy to have. And when you have an offense this explosive and an offense that's showing this much success this early in the season and i think they'll keep it going it's just very telling to what he might see in the future and how his production might stay um you might be thinking that there's so many weapons you know like cedric wilson uh michael gallup's still out but he's gonna come back um amari cooper c lamb blake jarwin uh but i actually think that helps dalton schultz in a weird way um, mostly because that just leaves plenty of room for him to work underneath and it also leaves plenty of room for him to work in the red zone because those other guys are going to be the defense's top priorities and until Dalton Schultz is really getting those those looks from a defense that they really want to shut him down which I don't think he will because if you shut out Dalton Schultz you're leaving Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb to get you know tons of targets and those guys are just defenses respect the hell out of those guys and they know their problems so I expect this trend to keep going. I expect Dalton Schultz to get less attention from defenses because of those other guys around him. Another sleeper tight end, and not much to say here, is just someone, if you're really weak on tight end, you don't think you're going to get Dalton Schultz because you have a lower wa waiver priority, is Dawson Knox. Very similar to Dalton Schultz. It's just a lot of the same things you could say about 
Dalton Schultz you can say for Dawson um, he's a great outlet for Josh Josh Allen he's already shown a great connection with him in the past and also I similar to how Dalton Schultz is going to get his passing lanes open up to him because of the receivers around him Dawson Knox is going to have similar things because of Stephon Diggs on the outside and because of Emmanuel Sanders finally my last guy and my last thing to talk about for this podcast is Kenneth Gainwell Kenneth Gainwell is someone you're going to want to target in PPR leagues because he's already getting nearly all of the third down work and he's catching plenty of passes and he's also seeing some red zone work which I would have never expected coming into the season um, I wasn't necessarily high on Miles Sanders at all he's just not performing to nearly the level I think any of us thought he would and that leaves Kenneth Gainwell with a lot of opportunity because it's very clear this team likes him and you can kind of think of him similar to how we think of DeAndre Swift obviously he doesn't have nearly the upside but it's their roles that I compare them to it's that that's what they kind of remind me of each other uh, we know the Eagles are going to be down a lot. They're not a very good team. And Gainwell is going to be on the field a lot because of that. Because he's their patch catching back and they're going to be in so many passing situations, he's going to benefit from that. He's going to benefit from the catches out of the backfield. And he's going to see a lot of targets because of that. It's also worth noting that he's only owned in 11% of NFL leagues. So you can mo more than likely pick him up, especially if you have a high waiver priority. Um, so again, just... Take what you will of all these guys and pick up these guys according to what your team needs. If you need tight end, look at look at Dalton Schultz. If you need quarterback, look at Sam Darnold and Daniel Jones. If you need running back, look at Kenneth Gainwell. You could even look at J.D. McKissick if, if he's available, but I kind of doubt it. Um, and then, oh, also Michael Carter. Michael Carter is another great PPR option. We saw him get a lot more rushing attempts. Um, one thing we haven't seen him do as much is catch too many balls out of the backfield, but we saw him do that in college a lot. So I think that as the season progresses, we'll see him do more and more of that. And again, just a sleeper guy to keep, keep an eye on. Uh, don't forget about him. And he's more than likely not owned in your league. So if you can't get that Kenneth Gainwell guy, go after him. And again, if you need receivers, Jacoby Myers, Jamison Crowder, AJ Green, in that order or whatever order you think is better because, you know, um, they're just projections at the end of the day. It's whatever you think is better. And honestly, it just comes down to personal opinion. That's just my two cents. So guys, that's going to do it for this week's podcast. I really appreciate you tuning in once again. Um, just share this with your friends, share this with your family. I really hope you're enjoying these formats. Again, reach out to me. Uh, I really do appreciate all the feedback. If there's something you want to see from me, if there's something you want me to do differently, just reach out to me and let me know. I'll do my best to integrate into the pod. And again, I really appreciate you guys listening. That's going to be it for me. And peace out, guys. Go Bears. Thank you so much for listening. Later.